Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. We appreciate the new faces. And uh, we'll deviate a little bit this evening from our normally scheduled uh, discourse, since there are some new, new faces here who are not familiar with uh, what we're discussing in detail. So I want to give a general introduction, and then we'll probably continue to a, a couple of the sections of Jiva Goswami's uh, Krishna Sandarbha. But uh, we'll open by just discussing what exactly is the significance of the Sandarbhas of Srila Jiva Goswami. One thing that strikes us in the world that we are in is the fact that there's especially at this point in time in our culture uh, such a, an abundance of information that's available to us. It's everywhere. We can't get away from it. We can't get our nose out of it, it seems, that we're always bombarding, being bombarded uh, with information, and sometimes we're bombarding ourselves with information or maybe too much information, it seems. And it's hard for us because of this deluge of, of continual information, stream of information, I mean, I think we can all kind of unplug from that idea and just roll back the years. Well, I'm old, so it's, <laughs> I can roll back pretty far, but even if you, any of us here, if we roll back just a little bit, maybe a decade, maybe two decades, uh, you know, it wasn't we weren't bombarded as much as we are now with information. So then naturally the question comes, and especially now, within the last you know, three to five years, we have a hard time determining what's viable information. We even have terminology now. It's fake news. We even have a climate within the country, this particular environment we're in, America, where we don't know if what we, the information we receive is truthful at all. It's troubling to us that, to be in this situation. And then... I don't follow a lot of news, but you hear things like we're coming up to an election and there's robo-bots bombarding, you know, social media in such a way as to influence uh, uh, the understanding of, of, of the community in general, society in general, and, and, and manipulate the way the consciousness of the of the well in there in this situation the electorate is so they can I guess 
robo. I mean, we have a little bit of robo stuff going on now here in the last year. The phone's always ringing. What's a local number? Let me pick it up. 828. Must be somebody I know. And that's an electronic voice trying to do one thing or another. We generally don't get past the first couple things and either we scream at the phone <laughs> or we slam it down. The point I'm going to get to here is wouldn't it be nice if we had a reliable source for the knowledge that we acquired where we could give full and total faith to what we hear and therefore what we hear would be truly beneficial to us in so many ways depending on what we hear what we're listening to wouldn't it be nice it would be kind of especially in our time right now it would be very nice and I don't know if it's going to get better anytime soon it probably in all likelihood will get worse before it does get better for society at large but we're not society at large are we you've taken some time out of your schedules to come here and step away from society so we're going to talk about that stepping away process and the significance of the Sandarbhas of one of the great saints um, that was here within the last 500 years, Srila Jiva Goswami. And he's presenting these Sandarbhas to kind of give us who have an, a desire to truly understand the nature of our being a firm foothold in the reality, the truth of spiritual life. Well, we have to begin with where we are. So his presentation is extremely comprehensive and he begins with understanding where we are in material existence. And at the very beginning of this whole presentation of the Sundarbas, his first his first emphasis is on the nature of inquiring into ourself. And he says, okay, so how can we inquire into ourself? We'd want to have reliable knowledge if we wanted to make such an inquiry. So where can we go for such reliable knowledge? And then he starts out and he says, okay, let's look at what's, what facilities do we have for acquiring reliable knowledge? We have senses. I can hear, I can smell, I can see, I can taste, I can feel. So these five senses are knowledge acquiring senses. So how reliable are my knowledge acquiring senses? With them, how much knowledge can I get? And how reliable is the knowledge that my senses are giving me? We think it's pretty reliable. 
I can look here, I can look there, I can hear this, I can hear, so I can taste, I can feel, this is sweet, this is sour, this is pleasing to my eyes, I can smell a flower, it's great, I can smell sewage, and that's not so good, it's repugnant, so, whoa, now I can discriminate. And what Jiva Goswami does is he, he, he takes us in the beginning of his Sundarbas and he says, let's look seriously, seriously at this sense perception of the phenomenal world that we live in and, and determine how reliable is that for factual knowledge about our being, our self. And he comes away with, it's not that reliable, is it? And he gives us some explanations. I can see, you can see. But how good is our seeing? How good is our hearing? I can hear, but the dog can hear things I can't hear. And the bird that's flying in the sky, the birds of prey, can see better than I'll ever see. And he goes on and goes, Go, goes on and on. He says, look at all these senses. They're good up to a point, but they're ultimately not 100% reliable. And then you have the master of those five knowledge-acquiring senses, the mind. And the mind, well, everybody's mind is a little bit different. So, where you may see beauty, I may see, I may see that that's not really beautiful to me. So what do they say? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So what are we left with? Now I'll give you another example just to try to bring this home as far as Jiva's point. Because what Jiva takes us to is ultimately the senses are not going to serve you well if you want to inquire into the nature of your being. They're going to leave you short of having a full and comprehensive experience of reality because the reality that the senses present to us is not consistent. Practical example. Have any of you spent any time in a court of law? There you go. So, you've been in a courthouse. You've sit and sat and you've heard two sides and arguments in relation to some, some incident. And the witnesses get up there and they swear. And if they're not being deceitful, and sometimes they aren't, then... what they relay as factual knowledge differs from one witness to the other. Well, he was driving a green truck. No, he was driving a blue van. Oh, it was a woman that was driving. No, it was a man. Oh, but he ran the red stop sign. No, the light was green. So this is just a practical thing that we see in a court of law. If everybody's being truthful, still they walk away, they can walk away from the same experiential knowledge with different conclusions. 
So, without belaboring the point, where the Sandarbhas begin is with a presentation of the fact that if you want reliable knowledge regarding the nature of your being, of yourself, you have to go beyond what the phenomenal world has to offer you. It's a, it's a revolutionary idea. Then you go, well, where do you go? If I can't rely on my senses, well, I'll go to the library. So I can read books of knowledge. Who gave you those books of knowledge? And where did they, how did they determine the knowledge that they, that they wrote in their book? The majority of the books of knowledge are based on sensory experience. And if you look to contemporary knowledge that's evolved over the past few hundred years, you can see that even in the fields of science and philosophy and social studies that it's changed. Even just in a, in, a, in a short time span, if you look at the knowledge you've got regarding maintaining good health in society, don't eat this. Oh, this is good for you. And then a decade later, the scientists come back and say, oh, no, 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 that's, that's going to kill you. Uh, that we were wrong on that and it's changing constantly changing so even the sciences even you go to, and so it's all based on sensory perception so when I say the Sandarbhas of Jiva Goswami are, are, are revolutionary he's asking us to set aside everything that we have relied on for our whole life as a viable source of absolute knowledge. He's saying it's not reliable. If you want to learn about the nature of your being, learn about the true nature of yourself, you have to set aside this, this knowledge that's based on sensual experience and all the and everything that that means I mean look you've got thousands of university universities and colleges all over the face of the planet that are all based on knowledge that's come from sensual experience and experiments and and uh, social studies and uh, psychological analysis and so many things we've come to that to that knowledge through our senses and Jeeva's saying do you really want to learn about the nature of your being your senses aren't going to be able to take you there there's a higher level of realization that the senses cannot give you Okay, where can I go? Where do I go? Well, 
Then we get into a study of the nature of our existence. And he points us in the direction of there is reliable knowledge in the form of revelation. There are there is revelation available and that revelation is coming from a higher plane than your senses. Your senses can go so far, but revelation is there. Okay, well, whose revelation do I accept? And we heard an interesting class when Swami Tripurari was recently here. He talked at a Buddhist meditation center or temple, and he and he he presented something that was ex- I found extremely profound. What he said was, if you look to all spiritual traditions, if you look to them, it doesn't matter what. When you look to the mystical, revelationary side of any spiritual tradition you will see some consistencies in those people who have had spiritual revelation above what's available through sensory sensory experience. And what we find is there is a commonality in the character of the saints of all the traditions. They tend to not be overly involved in material gratification. They give up the pleasures of they've given up the pleasures of the world. They've dedicated their life to introspection instead of going out to get knowledge, they've gone in to get knowledge. And there's characteristics to their to the nature of their of their experience which are common because when they speak, they speak of those revelations and there's a commonality there. And there's a commonality to the to the to their personal characters, truthfulness, cleanliness, they're austere, they're merciful, they're, there's a, all those qualities that we should aspire for in order to have a, a reasonable existence and a, well, um, a well-balanced existence they exhibit. So we're in, we here are pursuing a specific transcendental revelation based on a specific tradition. And there's a commonality with all religious traditions, or not, let's, 
I like to discriminate between when we say religion and we say spirituality because religion sometimes comes with a whole other bunch of baggage with it which which sometimes instead of nurturing spiritual experience and revelation and advancement it some, can sometimes stand in the way so just to make a distinction there and what we find what I find and what I found in, in the association of, of devotees is there's a true desire to experience something beyond what we can get in the senses and Jiva Goswami he he when in introducing his Sandarbha say that's that's the beginning of spiritual life Atato Brahma Jignasa what why am I here what's it all about not in a in a, in a an experiential way but why am I really here? Can, is there a way to really go beyond the bounds of my experiential life and experience a more deep and profound life, spiritual life? So, he says we can't rely on the senses. The senses are what? They're imperfect. Imperfect senses because they're not not everybody's perceptions the same and the senses in and of themselves because of their nature being of the nature of matter of the impermanent therefore we have imperfect senses if we have imperfect senses that means sometimes what we experience is not a reality but an illusion and because of that we make mistakes we make mistakes and they that's unfortunate for us and we also have baggage not everybody's baggage is the same not everybody's baggage weighs the same amount not everybody but we all have baggage we're wearing it right now we couldn't we weren't allowed to determine the baggage that we got unless some of you decided I want to be born in America I want to be born in this family I want to be born in this this society I want to be born in this race I want to be a man I want to be a woman I want to be a king generally all those things have been predetermined by the environment that we live in and our prior act actions so we have we already come with a disposition as to how certain things are and that we're predisposed in such a way that we always think that our way is the way and if you don't see it that way then well too bad for you so that that gives us another tendency we have a tendency to cheat in the favor of our preconceived ideas of things so Jiva says because of these four defects we can't really arrive at 
profound spiritual knowledge. Therefore, if we want knowledge, we have to seek it from another plane than the sensual plane and from our mental plane. And he points to revelation. Now, the revelation has to come from from a profound experience of something beyond what the senses can give us. And we call that revelation descending knowledge, descending experiential knowledge of transcendence. In presenting the Sandarbhas, what Jiva Goswami comes to and we'll just go to a condensed presentation here of what he gives to us as sincere seekers of truth that we can depend on, that is reliable, that doesn't have the flaws of imperfect senses, illusion, making mistakes, cheating, and that knowledge is available in scripture. Okay, well, what scripture? There's all kinds of scriptures. What tradition? There's all kinds of spiritual traditions. And for Jiva Goswami, he's coming in a certain tradition of spiritual knowledge. And it's coming from the East and it's based upon knowledge that is commonly referred to as the Veda. So this Vedic knowledge is there and it has been written down in Scripture. Huge, vast knowledge of the Veda covers everything covers all aspects of human existence a lot of it's been lost even since the time that it was written down 5,000 years ago and what he does is he says for those spiritual seekers that are interested in pursuing a, an ideal of spiritual revelation based on actually experiencing the Supreme Lord in his personal aspect. What do you mean God has more than just that aspect? He does. And Jiva Goswami presents the first three of this six-part Sandarbha presentation based on one idea coming from scripture. Vedanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yas jnanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti sabjate. Three sandarbhas based on this one simple Sanskrit sloka. There are different spiritual seekers 
and they're all seeking the same spiritual reality. They're, and they're looking at it from different angles. And what we find is they can generally be classified into three classes. There's more detail than that. You know, in any spiritual pursuit, there's, there's all kinds of, of revolution, but revelation. But generally speaking, in three ways. So this absolute non-dual spiritual, spiritual reality can be viewed differently according to the the practitioner what are you looking for what is your conception of of, a, of the spiritual reality and he says generally there's three brahmati some people see that there is a spiritual energy that flows through everything nondescript it's just there it's the spiritual energy that pervades and supports everything. And it's, it's common to everyone. But we can't really qualify it. And this is the way some spiritual sp seekers think. We can't really qualify this spiritual thing because everything that we're used to is experiences of this world. And all the experiences of this world are only available to us through imperfect senses. So, therefore, because of the, our limitations, that's the extent to the spirituality that we, we can know. It has to be just an all-pervasive spiritual energy that's everywhere. So that's one vision of this supreme absolute truth. Just a spiritual presence in everything, a spiritual current that runs through everything. But we can't really qualify it. Brahmati. But the verse goes on and says, but there's also Paramatmati. Then we come to a different understanding. Well, maybe we can qualify this spiritual substance a little bit because we can see that this spiritual substance somehow or other has made arrangements for everything that I personally experience because I didn't make the arrangements myself. I have some abilities to move within my environment, but I don't even know how I got here. I don't know where I came from. I don't know who's put that big ball up in the sky that nourishes my existence. I don't know who's put... So, the concept goes a little deeper now. Paramatmeti. There must be more, the, the supreme absolute truth must be a little bit more than just an energy. It must have a purpose. 
and a consciousness that's certainly superior to my limited consciousness and a control of things which far exceeds the control which I don't have. I can't even determine how long I'm going to live. I could be dead in a moment, the next moment. So many things I can see. I'm not. There has to be something else, and that has that that goes beyond just a a, a broad spiritual current. It has to be a spiritual current with some determined determination. Thus, we have this concept of paramatma. The Atma, we're in an Atma, a spark of spiritual energy, but there has to be a bigger Atma, Paramatma, that's controlling my little Atma and the environment that I inhabit and kind of leading me along through different circumstances. That's a different understanding, a deeper understanding. Well, what about this Paramatma? If there is a Paramatma, a bigger Atma, bigger than me, bigger than everybody that I know, bigger than, big enough to create the whole environment and create a cosmos that I look up in the sky, I didn't put all those stars there. Somebody did. That's, that's amazing. It's, it's so... If we go, what's his existence like? Is that all he does? Is he just the creator God? Is he just the maintainer God? Or is he a God which has his own, his own spiritual existence independent of this existence and not, what do we want to say? I mean, I li it's okay, God's given us a nice life here, but there are some things that really, it's a little sand in the sweet rice, so to speak, sand in the pudding. It's, you know, birth. As I said, we can't determine our birth. All, all, all of us here are extremely fortunate. We've had an extremely fortunate birth. Imagine a birth where you're in your body for six or eight months. You die in a third world country of some, you know, you, you, or you starve to death or whatever. Death. We can't control death. As I said, we don't know when it's coming. Old age. Yeah. You can't control it. So much we wish we could. And disease comes at any time. We can't control that. We don't know when disease is going to be there. So, so if there's the God that made all this and made all these arrangements for us and gave us all this wonderful facility, but it's not perfect facility and it doesn't fully integrate with what I, what I know is the more of my, the essence of my being, which is free of those things, then does he have another existence? Does he have another 
an in an existence independent of this environment that he's created for our existence. Well, if he does, what's that like? And if he does, how can we understand him in his environment free from his involvement in providing this environment for us? That's called Bhagavan. So the Sandarbhas bring begin here. Very simple. Three Sandarbhas. Vinanti tat tatva vidas tatvam advayam. This non-dual spiritual substance can be looked at only in its all-pervasive spiritual energy. Brahmati, it can be looked at as the creator and maintainer and sustainer of everything that we experience in this environment that we are in now. Paramatmati and there that supreme personality if we can have revelation we can see that he has an independent existence over and above his involvement in maintaining and and supplying and assisting us in this environment so this is the knowledge that's presented systematically in the Sandarbhas. And we started out discussing tonight about where, because we'd all like to have true, absolute knowledge that is in no way, you know, encumbered by the defects of our sensual experience and the defects of, that are created in the environment. And that's fully nourishing to us in the essence of our true being. We'd all like to have that. So Jiva Goswami says, in the tradition that I'm going to present to you, we have as much knowledge as you can imagine in the form of a complete and comprehensive understanding of these three features of the absolute truth of which you are a part of. It's not that you don't have an, an, an inherent essential nature yourself, which is fully and totally spiritual. So this kind of knowledge is called Sambandagyan. All these interrelationships, how do all the pieces fit together? How do, we, how do we enter into an understanding of spiritual life that's based on a spiritual reality that's fully, fully reliable? And then Jiva starts out at Sadarbha to say, and why is it fully reliable? He says, of all the scriptures that are available in the world, of everything that's coming through the ancient, from, coming down from, from a level of experience beyond our senses it's descending knowledge he says of all that descending knowledge not that we're acquiring it and we're it's something that fits with between our ears there is descending knowledge that is coming down from a higher realm 
And he says, of all that descending knowledge, of all the knowledge of the Vedas, the most significant knowledge that you can have at this point in time, in this culture, is coming through one particular literature primarily. And that's the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavat Purana. It's a spotless spiritual presentation of Sambandha Gyan, the knowledge of everything that's truly of any significance. There's a lot of knowledge out there, but of anything that's truly significant in the, the nature of your being and the nature of your existence and the nature of the supreme absolute truth, it's all contained in this one literature. So it's, he considers this as the literature itself speaks, Amalam Puranam. It's, it's, it's pure nectarine spiritual knowledge. And why is it so significant? Because it has come from the revelation of Srila Vyasadeva. So imagine, and I'll close with this, imagine there's a great saint whose who's only who's, who's, has an in, the only intent in his existence is not anything to do with experience of the world around him. The only intent in, that he has is for the upliftment of of humanity, of providing humanity with the very best experience of the nature of their being that he can relay to them. In their, in their most critical of times. So this is Srila Vyasadeva. Srila Vyasadeva, he decided the best I can do for humanity is taking all this knowledge that's come down through the ages, spoken from one master to one student, from one student now becomes a master, he speaks it, it's called Parampara, it comes down. We find some consistencies in all the different religious traditions between the, these different uh, stories and parables that, that give us some insights. He writes this all down all the Vedic knowledge. He writes it down and he's discontent. I've given them everything that's come down, but I just don't feel I, I did a com comprehensive job here. And in his discontent, he goes to his teacher and says, what do I do? It just, it's, it's not satisfying. I've done everything that I could in my capacity to give them every single bit of knowledge that's accumulated over time immemorial coming up to this point in time. I've written it all down. All this Vedic knowledge, all this knowledge, I've written it and I've presented it and I'm not happy. And this guru said, well, think about it. Think deeply about it. Think really, really, really deeply. So when we think, 
we go aside and we turn off everything, turn off the TV, turn off everything, and we 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 think deeply. Let me think. Why is this happening to me? What's this? So he did that, and when we do that deeply and do that in a very determined manner, we call that meditation. So the maturity of his meditation, in the maturity of his meditation, he entered into samadhi. And in samadhi, it was revealed to him. Well, it was more than just revealed. He actually saw the Supreme face to face. And he saw the Supreme, he saw the predicament, he saw the predicament of human society, and he saw the solution. Unalloyed devotion to the Supreme will solve all of the all of the inner spiritual yearnings of everyone in human society. Based on that revelation, he went back and he presented this Srimad Bhagavatam, this sweetest of all literatures. And that literature is the basis of the practice of Krishna consciousness. And that literature is the basis of this presentation of the Sandarbhas, which is basically an analysis of that literature alone to pull from the literature, Srimad Bhagavatam, what are all those interrelationships between ourselves, our environment, and the Supreme Absolute Truth, Sambandagyan, what is the proper way to conduct ourselves in the world and show that and separate us from illusions that simply end in our distress? How do we do that? Abhideya, spiritual practice, what spiritual practices really nourish spiritual growth, and what is going to be the attainment of someone who takes such a path in life. So that's what we study here three times a week. And we are now in a particular place. We've finished three Sandarbhas. We're now beginning a fourth Sandarbha. This particular Sandarbha is dealing with God in his most intimate being, his swarup, the nature of his being. What's God really like? Where does he live? Who? What people does he like, the, like to exchange love with the most? What are they like? So it's, it's an interesting, interesting path that we're going down in this study. We're beginning here with understanding the Lord's different manifestations in the world that we live in and the distinction between those manifestations and the Lord's internal swarup, his nature, all those different energies. It's, it's, a, it's a detailed knowledge, but it's, it's extremely uh, it's, it, uh, revelation. It's a revelation as to the nature of the being of, of the Supreme.
And the more we can learn about his nature, we can learn about our true nature because we really have a lot more in common than we don't with the Supreme. If we only knew our own potentiality in the reality of our spiritual natures ourselves, we would be overcome. So I want to thank you for coming. I hope maybe if you can come again, come again. Uh, if not, we have devices. We, it's a very, all I can say is it's a study worth, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, a journey worth taking if you have an interest in this kind of a pursuit. So do you have any questions? Yeah. Um, in that talk that you're mentioning, your Guru spoke at the Buddhist uh, mm -hmm. center, um, something he said which is very interesting, um, that the, the people followed um, these scriptures because um, because of the character of the of the speaker or of the um, person who presented. The right, the spirit, their spiritual character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's that's what really inspired people to follow. Like, oh, I want to be like that. And if you think about that, if you think, if we even in our, in our what we might want to call mundane pursuits, we're inspired by people that actually have been there and done that. And you know, you go to a college and. You go to the roster of, of professors and you, you look and say, well, what's his credentials? What's he done? What's, and, and oh, here's one. He, was, he worked at this or that, and that's, he's actually in the field doing the work, or he was for a period of time. So, yeah, we always want to get knowledge from people that have had that. So that's, that's the nature of parampara, of knowledge that comes down the people that have actually been there and done that. So imagine actually tuning in to the people that have been there and done that and are currently doing that. And that's a very amazing thing. So that we call, a we, we have relationships with Guru. So relationship with Guru, Guru comes differently, but uh, the whole the idea of Guru is one of universe, it's a universal a universal outreach from the other side, from the spiritual side to the material side to enlighten us if we so want to turn our consciousness in that direction. Once we turn our consciousness, then gurus abound. We have maybe a specific guru. We have other people that help us along the way. If we're really serious, we, we read in the Bhagavat Purana that we're speaking about, the Bhagavatam, about people that they simply look to the environment in every place because they have some spiritual insight they can see in the environment around them. And the environment also is a guru. It's teaching them. So once we turn our consciousness to a, to a deep investigation of the nature of our true spiritual being, then, then guru comes automatically. And that's what we're studying right now in the Sandarvas. Guru is coming continually. Krishna is coming. Yadai, Yadai, Dharma, Shya. Coming in so many different forms. Empowering so many different people. 
empowering him with different to different extents with different amounts of his energy. So some are avesh, some are vibhutis, some are just given a little power, some are giving more power. So vibhutis is one thing. Uh, avesh means descending or or uh, actually enthusing somebody with the power of bhakti or the power of knowledge, which are all part of the Lord Swarup Shakti, so they themselves are spiritualized in the process. So, yeah, it's a wonderful inquiry. But yeah, we notice people of character and we want to hear from those people who have experience and, uh, and uh, that, that's a universal approach. It doesn't matter what tradition. We're all looking for the same thing. There's a commonality there. If, if no one else has any other question, I would like to know, um, could you could you say a little bit about Jesus one? Could you give us a little, just a little bit of... of well, a little history. Jiva Goswami was here. He's one of the six Goswamis. The six Goswamis are the immediate direct disciples of... Uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is accepted as not only a great saint of 500 years ago in India, but he's accepted as a full manifestation of the Supreme Lord, coming as a spiritual seeker himself. So it's like God coming down and acting like ourselves and pursuing spiritual life. So in our tradition, we accept Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as actually Krishna himself and he's coming as a sadhika and he wants to learn how do I love God how do I experience God what's the best way to experience God so he's coming in that capacity of course he has an internal reason for the experience he wants to have as a sadhika he wants to come in he wants to experience how deep is the love of the most profound lover of God? That's Sri Chaitanya. So Jiva Goswami is one of those disciples, direct disciples. He's uh, uh, the nephew of uh, Sanatan Goswami and Rupa Goswami, which were like the emperors of devotional service uh, in association with Sri Chaitanya. So Sri Chaitanya, you know, uh, is accepted in our tradition as the Lord himself. But he didn't write a lot. But in order to write down and codify the devotional practice, especially for us in this age who have such short memories, it's good to be able to go back to the book again and reread things. And so it's all been written by down and codified and verified against other scriptures. That's what Sri Chaitanya had these disciples do. Can you please present it? So that it's accepted within the whole the whole culture of spiritual knowledge, I want my knowledge to be to fit in. So you pull all everything that I'm giving you. So he gave the essence of spiritual understanding to the Goswamis, and then they wrote it down for the benefit of human society. Uh, he himself did not write, but he he spoke with his disciples in such a way to inspire them to do this writing. So Jiva Goswami is younger than Sanatan and Rupa Goswami, 
And that is, it's beneficial to us because they'd already done their work. And he kind of took the essence of what they presented. And that's what the word Sandarbha means, to take the essence. So he take, took the essence of their teachings and incorporated that with a comprehensive explanation of spirituality based on Srimad Bhagavatam. All right, I'll stop there and I'll thank you so much for your association.